This is Business Philosophy, helping businesses thrive and grow with Florida law in mind. Here's your host, Santiago Cueto. Welcome to the Business Velocity podcast with your host, Santiago Cueto and Davey Carcasson. Today we'll be touching about on how to how do international conflicts affect corporations and investments. And with the current war in the Ukraine, a lot of folks have been calling us wondering how to best protect their investments overseas. And David, what are your thoughts on on how to, how, if you're a business owner and worried about international conflicts, not just what's going on in Russia, but just generally speaking, you know, what are your thoughts on, on invest, investments overseas and how to business to protect them? Well, as the current market is uh, going on right now with the instability of political environment that's so unstable as we speak, it's so unpredictable that we're sort of like predicting that investors are becoming more afraid to invest. So we're going to have a market crash uh, as we speak right now. And uh, there are several things that we need, have need to consider uh, when the market is eventually shifting. Uh, while businesses will see a rise in cost and some businesses will not actually sustain those costs and will actually file for bankruptcy. Um, others will actually have feeling to have some sort of uh, government misappropriation. So more and more government misappropriation will evolve over time. And also as well, we're going to see that the joint ventures into in the cross-border joint ventures issues, we're going to have more and more problems as we want to be more going to the separate ways due to the rising cost of the of uh, of the market. Um, as far as I know, is that many countries that are um, doing cross-border investment and in, involved in the cross-border markets, uh, they sort of don't have a stable government and also as well have a problem with the, the judiciary. And sometimes it's uh, it's fair to say that actually the, when you're dealing with somebody else in a foreign country or invest in another foreign country that is not having a, a stable government or a democratic government, well, I would say more democratic in some ways, and still has some level of corruption that's really in the high level, well, you have more tendency to have um, government misappropriation of your assets and investments. So it's really important for every uh, investors and uh, business owners to enter into an arbitration clause agreement with those countries that's also binded by Unicentral and uh, from the New York Convention. And that agreement, in case if something happens, such as joint venture disputes or partnership disputes or even investments uh, misappropriation, uh, they can still go through arbitration and, and uh, the, the judgment would be fair enough that either party would be able to enforce that judgment in, in, in any other country as part of the Unicentral Treaty. David, why, why do you think arbitration clauses are better than, than having a litigation clause in a contract or an operating agreement? What are the benefits? Well, it, the benefits of your arbitration is that it's, it's really fast. And also as well, it's, so, it, it's more much of a fair judgment than a litigation clause. One party may feel that actually is um, sort of having some uh, prejudice 
for example, somebody from uh, I'm taking it in one country. I'm not saying I'm not targeting any countries, but somebody from Uzbekistan should want actually to do uh, an investment in in United States. We may feel that actually the judgments here are unfair and the laws are unfair toward him. So we try to actually make it more balanced, um, more fair toward the parties to actually follow the, the, the rule of law. So that's the point of arbitration. Also, arbitration, it, it, some attorney says it's, it's uh, less expensive than going through litigation. But I, I have to rebut that. I would say it depends. It depends on what sort of arbitration are we facing. Are we facing an energy issues on arbitration? Are we facing something that's much more complex that will the attorneys will have to research and uh, do much more discovery? So that I don't know. It all depends on the, the type of transactions that the parties are involved, uh, if whether arbitration is actually the easiest to go about it or not. Um, but an, overall, for having a fair judgment, I... I Arbitration is something that's much safer to go with and easier to deal with than uh, current litigation. But, Davey, how many countries have signed on to the New York Convention? Uh, there's like around 200 countries that signed on to this uh, New York Convention. So it's binding to those, those countries. Um, and uh, the arbitration award is also enforceable to all these countries involved. So, so, if I, so to put it in practical sense, if, if I've got a contract and the other side's breached it, and we go to arbitration, I get issued an arbitration award. I can just walk that arbitration award into any one of these 200 countries that have signed on to the New York Convention? Well, technically, you'll have to take this arbitration award and go through the judicial process to enforce it. And basically, like the, the way it will work is that you have to see where the opposing party has assets uh, if you go to France and this party does not have any assets in France, what's the point to enforce the, the arbitration award in France? You have to literally go to a country that literally has the assets of the opposing party if you win the, arbitra the arbitration in that case. So you can seize it. Okay. And what are some of the, some of the, the, the pitfalls or some of the cons of, of having a litigation clause in an international contract? Well, <clears throat> I have a story that happened a long time ago. Uh, with my uh, with my father, he invested in Uzbekistan and with the government fifty percent, and he was investing fifty percent on the factory. He was uh, creating a huge uh, textile factory, actually. And uh, the problem is that actually the government took over his entire factory on a fifty percent. So how are you going to have a fair judgment against the government when you all want to sue them in their own courts? So that's the problem when you're dealing with uh, litigation. And both parties may feel the same way. Even if somebody from Uzbekistan invests in the United States can feel that same feeling that they don't have a fair treatment uh, when they're dealing with the litigation here in the laws here in the United States. Well, that's a good point, Davey. Uh, you, know, you know, one of the things I've seen folks do is to have uh, an arbitration clause in their contract that specifies that the seat of their arbitration will be held in a neutral country. Say, for instance, you've got one party from France and one party from the United States. They can both choose to have the arbitration heard in a neutral country, such as Canada or in Switzerland. Is that something that uh, you see happening? Um, I think one of the main uh, uh, tribunals that are actually really great as a neutral country is uh, Netherlands. Uh, Paris actually has the ICC and uh, Switzerland is one of uh, also neutral country. Not neutral because of what's going on with Ukraine now. So if uh, 
Unfortunately, if you are Russian oligarchs, I think you're not going to have a neutral country that would uh, that would actually fairly uh, have a judgment to actually value the, the claims here. Uh, but um, most likely the, the neutral countries would be even these countries because they never were involved in this sort of uh, political uh, issues in the past. And uh, also as well, uh, it all depends also as on the arbitrators. Uh, who are the arbitrators? Where are they coming from? Uh, this will be among the parties to choose which arbitrator to use. And is it better to pick one, two, or three? What, what's kind of the standard in the industry? Well, the standard of the industry is that the bigger the claim, the more arbitrators you want to have. Because basically, like when you're dealing with a, let's say, huge bilateral investment on with it, that's involving a treaty, um, and there's a lot at stake here, you want to actually your client. If I represent a client in arbitration, I want my client to put to make sure that this is going to be a really good judgment and three arbitrators will actually be better than one in that case. But if it's a small arbitration or a transactional arbitration, we don't need to actually have three arbitrators. We can have one or two arbitrators or one arbitrator because there's, it's an excessive of cost for a small claim. So it's not necessary for us to go through that process again. At, at the end of the day, we're trying to save our clients the money. We're not trying to try to also get the award. We're trying to find a way to solve the issues, uh, the most efficient way, of course. All right, David. Well, I think that's a pretty good overview of why arbitrations, uh, arbitration provisions are preferred in your international contracts. I think you've, you've done uh, provided a great overview of, of why that should be chosen over having a litigation clause uh, in your international contracts. So that's a big takeaway to all our listeners is to have an arbitration clause in your international contracts as opposed to just a standard litigation clause. You don't want to be stuck with a, with a judgment from the United States or from wherever country you that judgment may be rendered and, and have very little faith that that judgment is going to be enforced uh, overseas, which of course is in contrast to an arbitration clause, which will likely be enforceable in one of uh, over 200 countries around the world. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit coitolawgroup.com.